Hey, this is the recording for our special webinar with our with our student and guest and master loving kindness meditation instructor, Mr. Nigel Lott. And I want to say give a little context in terms of the type of work different meditation teachers do. So we talk about the thalamic center, the point between the eyebrow center. There's the three streams of love on the center, wisdom on the right, and abilities on the left, your, your abilities of the higher will. So some people have a real strength in one of these areas. So, for example, I tend to be stronger on the intuitive side. And Nigel is an individual who has developed the central channel to a high degree. And then you have individuals who are like master healers who develop that left-hand channel, that skill channel to a high degree. So I'm very pleased to have Nigel come and teach us about the loving kindness meditation and he's going to cover how he learned about it and give you some examples of how you can use is he going to actually guide you in using these meditations and i think you'll find them very evocative so with that i'm going to turn it over to nigel thanks george so I'd like to give some uh, context in describing uh, my relationship with love and how I experience love and what that is for me and how it became such a central focus in my life, a sort of core tenant. And uh, I want to be up front with you and say that love is beyond form and really can only be expressed from within the realms of silence i often think of it's like husband and wife who are uh, talking in the kitchen and you watch people how they're trying to express themselves uh, in words and they're getting really frustrated and it can end up turning into conflict because they're trying to express the realms of their heart for which there are no words. So when I talk about love, I'm not talking about it as a mere sentiment, but as the central core tenant of the universe, the core of it, love. You might call it God, the divine. And so for most of us, we get born and we have, we become separate, we think, from that love from God. And all forms of anger, fear, grief are really moments where we think love isn't.
about the age of two years of age, we start to develop an egoic uh, centric self that takes a different track. And in doing so, uh, we have the sense of being separate so early on. And then, of course, we have the ache and yearning out of that separateness to be reunited again with that which is our home, um, and for which very much we're on the return journey. Um, so when I'm talking about love in this seminar this morning, this chat, I'm talking about love, a love that has the power to heal all wounds, emotional, physical, and I've had direct experience with that. And I want to share, so in 1986, in June of June the 6th, 1986, I was very close to death. I had a liver that was distended five inches from my right costal rib. I was extremely ill, physically, psychologically. I don't know what I weighed then, but I was way over 300 pounds. I hadn't seen my feet in years. I was a late stage chronic alcoholic drug addict. And I had extremely, I'm not being grandiose here, profound forms of complex PTSD. And on June the 6th, 1986, at about 3.15 p.m., I stopped that trajectory and made a turn and very shortly and entered a, a treatment center and went into hospital for 30 days. I heard right at the beginning of that process of stopping drinking and drugging. Someone said to me, well, you said, you know what addiction is, right? And I said, I mean, I was still in detox at that time. He said, it's an intense desire. Addiction is an intense desire to find peace and bliss in God again. In you thinking that you had become separate. And so he was describing addiction as a homesickness, as a yearning for God. And what he went on to describe to me, he said, it's a belief that says that you're separate from God, from that love that your heart knows and aches for. You think it's not in you, but he said that it is the God within. That God is without, but God is also within you, which didn't mean much to me at that time. He said, there is a love in you, Nigel, that's beyond your wildest dreams. And even to describe it with words like ecstasy doesn't even come close. And that started a journey. And without going into too much of the details of that, over the past 36 years, I have challenged 
great swaths of darkness, like so many people on the planet do. I've had my own levels of darkness. And sometimes it's been very much like trying to drag a blacksmith's anvil through a swamp. I have had terrifying experiences. I've had many, many different forms in the early days of disassociation and so forth. I'm just trying to describe how it's not been easy at times over these past years. But here's the one thing that stayed in my mind, in my heart, right from the beginning, that there was a love in me beyond my wildest dreams. It was within me. And so what automatically started to happen, I would take the suffering in my life and find a way to surrender. And that's spiritual practice using different techniques or whatever I could in order to find a way to create the safety for the ego, you know, that defense system that we have. What is my ego's greatest fear? To surrender to love because it can't go there. It loses identity at things. So in a very big way, healing is about finding techniques and practices that will create a level of support and safety for the ego to let go into that love within me. I came to understand that it was a complete and utter inner process. And it was about surrounding myself with people, places, and things who could mirror their light so that I would awaken to that light from within me. And that's been my journey, and it continues because that love is infinite in nature. And I have proven over and over again that it has the power to heal all emotional and psychological wounds, or better put, moments of separation. So that all the anger, by the way, anger is grief. So I've managed to, I've never been anybody that hangs out in anger too much. But underneath anger, there's a phrase that I use, anger masks the fear that hides the line. Every moment of anger or fear or grief in my life is a moment where I think love isn't or God, if you like, is missing in action. And is that ever true? No, it can never, ever be true. So I can have moments, so I wouldn't say this to people that are suffering, but in a sense, everything other than love is, is an illusion. So my job with myself has been, and I'm gonna go into a meditation here, has been to bring some of the most profound moments of suffering to that love. Which oftentimes has been a moment, of, I mean, a profound movement of faith because that's all I had. But ever increasingly I could see, I mean, I don't suffer in the same way as I used to. 
because I have awoken somewhat, ever increasingly so, to that love within myself that I always thought was missing, but in fact never was. So I'd like to take you into a loving kindness meditation. And I would invite you, please, to send me a question in the chat as we go along here. If you think of something, and I will address that in my talk. I'm going to do three, three meditations this morning that will go directly to how you can use that the creative force of the universe of which you are a part, you only think you're separate, in order to heal emotional and psychological wounds. And um, just to say also that so much of, like sometimes when I become very frightened, I will get tremendous abdominal pain. This is where I carry, I've always carried a lot of, so it's, we don't just operate in one area when we're wounded. When we're physically wounded, there's an emotional, somatic, spiritual component to that. So these meditations can be used for physical or and or emotional pain. You can just use your intention to switch it or switch out of that particular place. So. I would like you to receive the focus, yes, on the words, but much more the energy of how you're experiencing this. And even though you're using your ears, obviously, to hear with your heart, to let the words, to let the energy, the resonance, just below the sternum there. Just let it soak into your heart. So if you'd like to get a comfortable space, I will do a little meditation with you. And remember, the love is within you. It is without, but it's within you. You're the love that you've been looking for all your life. You are it. So find yourself in a comfortable space. As with any meditation, it's important to feel safe. And that's obvious should be that when we feel safe, we're going to be open to the truth. So creating a loving, safe place for you to receive this meditation, which is a, a guided meditation on loving kindness. So sitting comfortably, to allow the attention, your attention to come gradually to the breath. Just notice any tension in your body any tension in the shoulders or abdomen, just, just let it go. 
Just let the breath come and go all its all by itself. Deep within the body. And take a few moments to allow the attention to gather within the even rhythm of the breath. And turning gently within. Begin to direct toward yourself. Care for your own well-being. Begin to look upon yourself as though you were your only child. Have mercy on you. And silently in the heart, say, May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. And just feel the breath breathing into the heart space as we relate to ourselves with kindness and care. Allow the heart silently to whisper the words of mercy that heal that open. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. Allow yourself to be healed. Allow the energy and the resonance, hopefully that you are receiving, to heal. Whispering to yourself, send wishes for your own well-being. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. And repeat gently with each in-breath into the heart. May I be free from suffering. And with each out-breath, may I be at peace. And with the next in breath, may I be free from suffering. With the following out breath, may I be at peace. Repeat these words slowly and gently with each in breath, with each out breath not so much as a prayer, but as the extending of a loving care to yourself. Notice what limits this love, this mercy, this willingness to be whole, to be healed. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. Continue with this rhythm, this deepening of merciful joy and loving kindness, drawn in with each breath, expanding with each exhalation. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. Mm -hmm. 
Let the breath continue naturally as mercy for yourself, your only child of this being within. And though at first these may only feel like words echoing from the mind, gently continue. There can be no force here. Force closes the heart. Let them let the heart receive the mind in a new tenderness and mercy. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. And each breath, deepening the nurturing warmth of relating to oneself with loving kindness and compassion. Each exhalation deepening in peace, expanding into the spaciousness of being, developing the deep patience that does not wait for things to be otherwise, but relates with loving kindness. Things as they are. May I be free from suffering. May I be at peace. Allow the healing in with each breath. Allow your true spacious nature. Allow your heart to open for the love to the God within. Continue for a few breaths. More, this drawing in, this opening, the loving kindness. Relating to yourself with great tenderness. Sending well-being into your mind and body. Embrace yourself with these gentle words of healing. Now gently bring mind someone for whom you have already a feeling of warmth and kindness, perhaps a loved one, a teacher or friend. Picture this loved one in your heart and with each in-breath whisper to him or her, may you be free from suffering, may you be at peace. With each breath, draw that loved one into your heart. May you be free from suffering. And with each out-breath, filling them with your loving kindness, may you be at peace. And with the next inhalation, drawing their heart closer to yours, may you be free from suffering. And with the following out breath extending to the loved one, a wish for their well-being. May you be at peace. Continue to breathe the loved one into your heart, whispering silently to yourself, to them. May you be free from suffering. May you be at peace. 
Continue the gentle breath of connection, the gentle wish for their happiness and wholeness. Let the breath be breathed naturally, softly, lovingly into the heart, coordinated with your words, with your concentrated feelings of loving kindness and care. May you be freed of any suffering. May you know the deepest levels of peace. Send them your love, your compassion, your care. Breathing them in and through your heart. May you be free from suffering. May you know your deepest joy, your greatest peace. And as you sense them in your heart, sense this whole world that wishes so to be healed, to know its true nature, to be at peace. Note to yourself, just as I wish to be happy, so do all sentient beings. And so now in your heart, deep within your heart, with each in-breath, with each out-breath whisper, may all beings be free of suffering. May all beings be at peace. Let your loving kindness reach out to all beings as it did to your loved one, sensing all beings in need of healing, in needing healing, in need of the peace of their true nature. May all beings be at peace. May they be free of suffering. May all sentient beings to the most recently born be free of fear, free of pain. May all beings heal into their true nature. May all beings know the absolute joy of absolute being. May all beings everywhere be at peace. May all beings be free of suffering. The whole planet, the whole planet like a bubble floating in the ocean of your heart. In each breath, drawing in the love that heals the world, that deepens the peace we all seek. Each breath, feeding the world with the mercy and compassion, the warmth and patience, that quietens the mind and opens the heart. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be at peace. And let the breath come softly. Let the breath go gently. Wishes of well-being and mercy, of care and loving kindness. Extended to this world, we all 
share. May all beings be free of suffering. May all beings dwell in the heart of healing. And may all beings be at peace. Sit for a few more minutes. Allow the resonance of that or hopefully the loving resonance of that permeate into every cell. Gently breathing love in love out it's all love in the end the beginning the end of which there is none be with that everybody take a nice slow deep breath up through the nose all the way to the top and just let it go on the out breath. So when we um, have the experience of falling in love, we call it falling in love. When we experience that, Most people don't know until they know that that love is coming from within you. In that moment, nobody is coming along in that moment and giving you anything you didn't already have. The process of awakening. So when you're falling in love, that's your own heart. I call it your own heart, opening to the truth that's always been there. Always been there. The God within. I uh, was sitting on a beach a number of years ago. looking out across the water I was on the beach and looking up to the sky and of course like so many people I was taught to pray to a God who was in heaven and although it wasn't a visceral memory it was just a strong sense of being I don't know, three years of age and being taught to pray to God in heaven. I can't remember whether it was at the side of my bed or at the end of my 
end of my bed. But what I do have a strong sense of is that I was being taught to pray to a God that was in heaven, but heaven was a million trillion miles away. The furthest end of, of what? That's a big ouch. I'm praying to God, I'm praying to that. But in the same simultaneously, I have a belief already at the age of three that it's a million trillion miles away. I already at that age was experiencing such a separateness. from God, from love. I wanted to see if there are any questions at this stage. I've got notes here that I had made based on a conversation with George about some of the aspects of this that he would like to see covered and I hope that I'm covering them as I go along here but it is my direct experience direct experience that there isn't a moment of anger, fear, which is grief. There isn't a moment of grief. That in time, and of course, it's always, it's not necessarily in my time, <laughs> but in God's time, that any form of that anger, fear, or grief cannot be brought to love and surrendered, therefore healed. I mean, look at the words healing through recovery. What are, you, what are you healing back towards? What are you recovering from? Well, we're recovering from the profound illusion that we ever became separate from that love from God. And healing is a process of movement back towards the truth that that love had never left. And inside, I have had to pay attention. I see that many others do this too. When faced with darkness or light, how we have learned out of our separateness, out of our pain, to go look for the light from within the darkness first. We'll engage with the darkness. And yet we have every intention to find the light. And so someone said to me years ago, Nigel, why don't you just choose love? Why do you have to keep engaging with people, places, and things that are hurtful and harmful, and you keep going back, expecting a different result, and you keep going back, and you keep getting the same one? You don't have to do that. Just choose love. Easier said than done because we're so, I so attuned and it's fairly easy to see why. 
part of that is I thought I grew up thinking that love hurt. Love hurts. And there's plenty of songs with that line in the lyrics. Well, love doesn't hurt. Thinking that I'm out of love or love is away from me, that hurts. But not love. Love doesn't hurt. So, depression, in my experience, although it can get complicated, and but generally speaking, depression is anger turned inwards. I mean, that's what we do at the age of about two years of age. We start getting that construct starts building called ego, which then starts to believe that if it can rationalize something, we are beings of love. That's what we resonate at at our core. And when we experience something that isn't love, doesn't resonate as that, we always need to cry like a baby it would be great for the rest of our lives just to cry that out if you listen to a baby really listen their cries generally if they're feeling safe there are some babies unfortunately sadly who learn to internalize their experience very early but generally speaking, up to the age of two, babies will cry out that which isn't love that they're experiencing around them. Because they allow, they experience the world by allowing the energy to touch their skin. That's how they sense the world. That's true in the womb as well. I have a background in perinatal and prenatal trauma work of the ego comes so when they cry it out it's perfectly pitched and toned to move that energy out of their system so they stay in their core nature which is love that's the idea so but we get an ego about the age of two who thinks otherwise and thinks if it can just rationalize create a story then it's protecting you from that wound and of course it isn't that energy from the original becomes the anger, the fear, the grief of our lives. But we then turn towards a healing process. A loving process to heal. Love heals all wounds. I wanted to see if there were any questions there. Oh, yeah, there are. Uh, read the question aloud. You may be the only person who can see this. Okay. So, um, Nigel, in your experience with guiding others, what is the most frequently asked question about love and healing? Well, I don't know. 
what is the most frequently asked question about love and healing? I mean, where is God? Where is God in all this? I suppose does often come up or the question and the discussion about is, how do you know love? How do you know that? Well, it's not, it's not to be experienced where it's so beyond words. Like people just try, how can you accept that love and how does love heal? Well, the best that I can describe that is it. I mean, when I started off, it was just in my process. It was just this little bit that I understood about that. And then, but as I began to gradually challenge darker elements within myself and the terrible fears and terrors that I would experience in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day, I would train myself to remember love. That even when I was in the terror of it all, there was a different place coming. And that was love. And I dis discovered over the years that each time I challenged my depression, my fears, my anger, my grief, my whatever form it was manifesting in, and I would look for different ways to bring a healing to myself. I got to see that on the other side of even terrible suffering, there was a greater love. In fact, I actually got to see that it's like to say that when I was in my worst aspects of that suffering, in a way, I was closest to my greatest love, to my greatest joy. It was like the, the, the intensity of the suffering was a breakthrough to the love on the other side, if I could only but surrender. And that is easier said than done. So, so what is the most frequently asked question, I suppose, is how can I know that for myself? How can I? And it's a dawning awareness, a growing awareness of that love within. So, okay, here are three questions, Nigel. I have many. Andy is near death experience. Who enjoy this love unspeakable on the other side. They lament that they were sent into their bodies separation against their wills. Well, I may, I'm going to interject as I go along here. Yeah. We do lament. But the truth is that that love that we, that's unspeakable, that's on the other side is also here. Not true to say that it's on the other side only. It's here. That's the greatest illusion of all. But it's not here too. 
it's like God never left, or that which I call God love never left. I only think that God did, or that love unspeakable on the other side. And some feel resentment. Question that goes on to ask. Some feel resentment. Some have taken a long time to accept being on earth. Some don't feel the resentment, but long to be back there. This all speaks to a belief that says, I'm just interjecting here, that we're separate from, from that unspeakable love. And again, we're not. Not in reality, not in truth, not in my experience. I've never been alone, ever. It's impossible to be alone. But it sure feels like it sometimes. The questioner goes on to ask, there seems to be a power greater than us that enforces this separation. Wow. That power greater than us that we think is greater than us is our ego that enforces this separation. God doesn't. That love doesn't. The power that we think is greater, that's our ego. In my, as I'm reading it, it's my. So I don't have to go anywhere, but there's always a place within me that's at home, that's one with God. Always. It's just that I have so many moments from time to time. I used to have some terrible moments of thinking that I was separate from God, that pain, that pain of thinking that I'm separate from that love. It's been horror. I can't even describe. I want to share one thing that comes up for me. One night I awoke in one of my, one of Nigel's places, because back then I didn't know much about it. And those who supported me and certainly the medical professionals that I interface with knew nothing. I did belong to a vets group. I'm not a Vietnam vet, but I'm in this country. So many years ago, I joined a Vietnam vets group because that's my age. And so they have some bit of experience. And by the way, you don't have to be a combat veteran or anything like it to suffer terrible PTSD, not at all. I awoke to these moments that I definitely thought were going to kill me. And in a way, quite frankly, it's not that death would be preferable, but it was, I couldn't, I, I knew instantly in the moment of these experiences that death would not be as frightening. And my blood pressure would get to about 240 over 120. And my heart rate would be over 200. I know now that in a, just without going into the details of it, but I didn't know then that my body can actually handle that. So, but I looked over in the light. I mean, talk about feeling alone. And I saw a book that I'd never read because I used to like buying spiritual books, but I wouldn't ever, I just, they look nice on the bookshelf, you know. And there was a title called God's breath that caught my eye. 
and I looked over God's breath, God's breath. So I started breathing. This is another exercise that you can use. But we'll go straight into another meditation here off the back of. And that is coming to understand that that love, that that love, that unspeakable love is actually on every breath I make. Because I started breathing. It was the first time that I ever had the courage to really, even as it was a small way, but to turn to face that terror, turn into it, turn into the wind, so to speak. And as I started to breathe, uh, taking in volumes of air through my mouth, and then when it several, maybe 15 minutes later became a breath, I was imagining that I was breathing. It was God's breath. It was love's breath. The love that has the power to heal my wounds. And that's what I started to do. And I, all I can tell you is that in the face of that, that terror, that fear started to back off because it was dissolving in the love that I was taking in. And I still use that and I teach many different breathing techniques. And you ask, how does one find the eternal and stay there, never losing touch with it ever again? Well, to understand that it never lost touch with you. It never left touch with you. We only think again that we lost touch with it. Now, I understand that we believe that we, at some level, were abandoned by God here. That's our pain. But God didn't abandon me or anybody here. I just think that way. But out of taking a human body somehow, I think myself separate. I think myself separate. Am I really separate from that love? No. And I keep challenging that to the point where it's an accepted thing now. I know in a moment of pain that give a little time here and sit down and meditate or whatever it is. I must say that the I found George right after I'd been in an emergency room with the mother of all of those terror experiences. I came back home and I got on my computer and I have no idea how I found Mudrashram. Um, but what I can say is that the continuum consciousness has aided the embedding of that belief that love is always present deeper and deeper in me, as well as whatever I else I do. Okay, let's go into another meditation. I hope this is useful for people. Very, very valuable meditation, Nigel.
So again, it's a lesson for life really to continually find ourselves in loving, safe places. Don't stay around places that are loving, that are not, if you can not stay there. It's very important to know. So certainly when I meditate, you know, I'm, I want to know that I'm in a safe place. And I make myself blanket candle, sometimes a cup of tea. It's very important. So close your eyes. So the idea, the concept that love, and I mean God, is on every breath you take. It was there before breath you took. It's there during this lifetime on every breath you take, and it will be there when breath you take no more. And this is a meditation that drives the awareness that God, that love, is always present, even when we think it isn't. I want you to imagine that there's a concentrated amount of air that presents itself as a mist, like just below your nose. It can be any color you want, sort of very soft pastel color. I like oyster, like an oyster, just an off-white color. And the thing to know about this mist is that it contains all the love in the universe and that it has the power to heal all wounds It is complete in its loving kindness and compassion. I want you to start to breathe very slowly, very gently. Up your nose. And as you breathe up your nose, you're breathing in from that mist. And as the mist comes in, you can visualizing it going up your nose, down your throat. And I want you to imagine that it goes all the way down to your feet. Breathing in from this mist that contains all the love, all the loving kindness, power to heal your wounds physical and emotional, and to start to see it filling you up from the inside. 
important to know that we are already full of that from the inside, but so often as we talk, we don't think we are. We have forgotten. This is a lovely little exercise that hopefully will help you remember by bringing the love that's within from without. God without meeting God within. And so you can see this mist as you breathe in through your nose. Just keep gently breathing from the mist. It starts to billow up your feet and your ankles and coming up your legs, filling you with, we're using words here, but this is so beyond words, filling you with loving kindness and compassion and the power to heal. Feel it coming up your legs. And it's, as it's filling you up, it's also filling you up beyond the spaces. It's coming out through the bones, the tissue, the muscle, the marrow in your bones and the skin. It's just... See that it's seeping into all these places as it comes up your body. This gentle, loving kindness. Then coming up the abdominal cavity and filling you up. And every breath. Taking in the love that heals all wounds, all the love in the universe and beyond. Taking it in on every breath you take and coming up your abdomen. into your chest, front and back. And as it comes up, I want you, I want you to see it sort of intensify, if you like, and surround your heart, holding your heart like a mother hopefully always holds its child, its baby in their arms. In such a warm embrace, so gentle, so loving, and allow that loving mist to soak, to embed itself in the heart. And continuing to breathe. You come up into the upper chest, along your shoulders and down your arms into your hands and your fingers.
In the next breath, seeing that mist that contains all the love in the universe, loving kindness, come up into your head and surround your brain. Your tired mind And see this mist just gently infusing itself into every cell, every, just allow the love in. Allow your brain to be love. Some of us, my God, we ache and yearn be reunited, to have the awareness of being one with God again. That the patterns that have been developed out of our suffering pushes away. But that very, so when the love starts, we start to feel that love, which our heart so desires to experience and know, again, remember, to awaken to. We have patterns of behavior, push it away. Sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently. Invariably, mostly unconsciously. So this is an important part of the brain, the egocentric self, front and back sides, taking all of that. The hippocampus, the amygdala, brain, and allowing it to be infused with grace with love, with God's power. And just see that mist infiltrating your brain. You see it soaking in. If you notice any resistance, that's okay. Still allow that. And so for the next few minutes, wherever you are, sitting Allow yourself to experience head to toe, toe to head. Being one with God, filled with spirit. Filled with this loving kindness. You are loving kindness. Feel that. Feel its embrace. your true nature.
another little story, if I may. Um, I was once told that I was going to die. Well, <laughs> we all do. I learned from this experience that I'm going to share that life is a life-threatening disease. You know, it's like I uh, was sitting in a doctor's office and he was looking at this uh, through a scope that this tumor that he'd found and and I was diagnosed with cancer. And his last words to me were, oh, this is going to kill you. He actually literally said that. It's possible that I might have heard it that way, but I don't believe so. I think he actually said that. I left his office, and I'm sort of stunned. Got home, went to bed about, finally fell asleep about 3 o'clock in the morning. When I woke up the following morning, I was essentially in a state of bliss. And what I came to experience was that in believing that I was going to die soon, all the bits and pieces that I would normally get upset about during a day that would move me to grief, fear, anger, all the same thing, weren't present. Or at the very least, I could see them get a, trying to get a claw in the rug. I could see them, but it just couldn't do it. What I got to see through this experience was that most of the things that I thought were important to distance from love around, that thinking mind thought was weren't. In the face of my impending death, the only thing that was important was to love and be loved. It was so simple. To love and be loved. And I lived a very gentle life from that moment on until I was told after that I had an operation eventually to remove the tumors and they did a biopsy and I got a call back at home on this one Saturday morning. He said, well, you know, I don't, these are a particular papillary, blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's a good chance these are not going to come back. It's not going to come back. Sigh of relief. Ah, but now I'm going to live within a very short period of time. My then wife came back in. I think she'd forgotten a bottle of maple syrup at the grocery store or something. And I get upset about that. So what I took from that eventually was that is there really anything important enough to distance from love over? No. There isn't. And you can't anyway. That's the interesting thing is we can never get a can't, where can love go? It can't go anywhere. That was a beautiful lesson. Seems strange to say that having cancer was a beautiful lesson, but it was. So I wanted just to, somebody's writing a question here or part of a question that I read that 
And it speaks to, we're not going to find the love that heals, that releases us from suffering in the head. Not to be found there. I love my egoic centric self. My, I love, I've learned not to, mostly not to fight with that. Because it's wound, it's a, it's an agent of my wounding, of my separateness, and it becomes it's become my responsibility to bring that to the truth, to bring all of that to the truth. So I don't get into this is speaking hopefully directly to the question, uh, which was that growth, purification, awakening, virtues of us as its tentacles and hence sends us into separation for that purpose. This is what the divine problem is or wants. So simultaneously, I understand the power of my ego, but it's not the truth. And I don't say it's not the truth. I don't, I, I treat it like it's my only precious child. I try to. And are there times when it has its way with me? Yes. But most of the patterns I know today, and I have ways to bring that back, is to get my egoic self, just to understand that any pain or suffering can be healed. And the timing of that is not in my control. I mean, I... I can have an intention about anything in life, but as to its outcome, I have no control. I understand that. So it's all built into the system from what I can see. Call it God's time. You know, I might want to get healed now. I might want to have the awareness of love now, but... In God's time, I mean, that's uh, somebody writes, I too suffer from complex PTSD. I've put my telephone number and my a way to contact me because I have spent years on researching my own PTSD and the role of beta blockers, alpha blockers, of bringing specific exercises, of seeing and knowing that the PTSD, we call PTSD, deep pockets of trauma come from the sympathetic part of the nervous system and are buried there of the different forms of autonomous nervous system irregularities that are caused and different things that I work on every day, actually, to bring a healing to. So I invite invite you to contact me. And I will be very happy to help you with ideas about PTSD that can be used on a daily basis. And I also talk to doctors and medical staff who unfortunately know very little still 
about the treatment of these ailments. So I'm very happy uh, to do that. You know, I'm looking at the time. I could go on talking about love all day and hanging out and talking about love. That's what I I want to do that for the rest of my life. I'm so grateful for George to let let me come on and speak about love. Of course, the concept of loving kindness has been in Jainism, Hinduism, Buddhism, been around forever. I mean, the idea that love heals all wounds and then creating a meditation around that or different different meditations, um, healing practices as old as the hills. So I'd like to end with a poem, if I may. Not my poem. George, I haven't gotten around. I write little quotes that pop in my head, but not poems. I'd like to end my time with you. So this is not the poem, but I want to share with you a quote that I wrote a little while back. And it says, though there be many hearts, there's only one love. And you and I are that one love. We may have many hearts, but there's only one love. One love. So this is called The Journey by Mary Oliver. I used to read this poem to people who were psychologically, emotionally, and physically crippled with pain. It was a, an extraordinary thing. I used to hang out with these folks, mostly elderly, in a hospital on a Saturday. These maybe 12, 15 people, actually. And it was my job to talk about love all day long, actually to teach meditation, but same thing. would start off right after breakfast. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, and though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. You didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations. Though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough in a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voice behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own, that you kept company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life that you could save, yours. And I'm going to add, and we do it all in the name of love. <laughs>